This is the Rip It and Sip It podcast, and we need a shot. That's true. That's it. We do. Okay. Yeah, I've already got it going. Go ahead and get some shots poured. Pouring shots. Here, I'll just pour one and I'll check exchange glasses with you here. That'll work. I have shaky hands. I don't need to be the one pouring these. <laughs> it's fine. Not in your house. That's, we, that's what house hardwood floors are for. That's exactly right. <laughs> so that you don't have to deal with a giant mess when you spill your alcohol on the floor. I mean, we feel like we need something to say when we take these shots. Uh, well, here's to drugs and alcohol. Drugs and alcohol. <laughs> That's easy. Yeah, honestly. For those at home, we were drinking Crown Apple. Or at least one shot of it. And yeah. it's super easy to get down. So. Probably multiple. There's a little bit of a sorority girl whiskey. <laughs> well, I mean. <laughs> it's good. I, I just wanted to get rid of it, really. I, I'm, okay. Talking about that, that's a good talking point. I'm officially to the age where I don't care if somebody's going to make fun of me about the liquor I drink or anything like that. Like as I long as it's effective and I taste it tastes good and it's not miserable. Yeah. It's fine. I have a little bit of a bourbon snob. That uh, a blended whiskey obviously doesn't count. <laughs> um, but hell if it's drinkable, it tastes good, you have fun. Right. I'm beyond giving a fuck. I I think I've been there ever since I started drinking <laughs> because I the first time I drank I was like, man, pina colada sounds really good. And like, I just have not cared since. I'm mean, yeah, like, you know fair. what? If you want, you can have your old fashioned and choke on it. And that's fine. Uh, old fashioned is my favorite cocktail. I, but, I know. That's kind of why uh, I did But I'm that. a huge margarita fan. A huge mean, margarita. I mean, they taste good. And when I go on vacation, I will literally hollow out a pineapple and fill it up a mouth. <laughs> so, um, I don't care. I am picky about beer. I'm not going to drink Bud Light. Um, Michelob, some bullshit like that. If I'm drinking beer, I want it to be full-bodied, manly. It needs to taste like it belongs in a fucking Viking drinking bar. <laughs> <laughs> a big old jug of mead. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, my I'm, friend that makes mead. Yeah, gonna, yeah. I'm I'm not a big beer drinker, so I I'm more into like. <sighs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, sorority girl. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like. Like, uh, what's it called? Not Wicked Red or Red's yeah. Wicked. Oh, you talking what's about the other ciders one? and stuff? Angry Orchard. Yeah, that's cool. That's fine. They taste good. Yeah. Again. Yes. I don't remember the brand name. There used to be one that, um, what was the name of that? I feel like it had like a gopher or something on it. <laughs> <laughs> it was like the mascot. But it was like one of the first like, uh, small batch like apple ciders that you can buy. And I do not remember the name of those damn things, but they were great. Yeah. Um, I don't even know if they exist anymore, to be honest with you. I remember though, when, before the craft beer scene took over, we drank still reserve because it said high gravity on it. And we thought we were fucking bad. <laughs> <laughs> and then the first quote unquote craft beer I drank was blue moon. And we drank mm -hmm. shit out of that for a long time. Yeah. But, uh, we're talking about 10, 15 years ago now. Cause I'm fucking old. Oof. Oof. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, you're not you're not so much older than me. I just no, not uh, much. Five, six years, something like thirty three, thirty three, twenty nine. Yeah. Oh, so you're actually closer to me. Yeah. Sure. Four. So, what'd you do at the gym today? I did uh, incline, and then uh, officially I'm back in meat prep. So it's kind of a 
hodgepodge of accessory work, little back, little shoulders, little arms. So yeah, just what it is. basic stuff, kind of. Yeah, absolutely. I'm trying to keep session reps between, on upper body days, I still kind of keep it kind of high. So I'm doing total session reps of anywhere from 450 to about 550 total reps. And then on leg day, significantly lower, typically 300 to 450 uh, on a high day. So um, that works well for me. And the majority of that is accessory work volume. So yeah. Because, I mean, you don't want to overload your CNS on the barbell. No, so I did today, it was uh, on my upper body days, um, it's five sets of three currently. Um, my lower, it's four sets of three on squat, and then deadlift depends on how I feel, either three sets of three or four sets of three, depending on how spunky I'm feeling. So Yeah, and you, you just had some issues with that just recently. Yeah, 500, by th uh, 500 for three yesterday on deadlifts, smoked it. Um, but I have an old man back and it's uh, real fucking beat up today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's the first time I've touched uh, over 450 pounds in six months or better. But it flew, so that's the most important thing. I was going to say. I got to keep my pride. Who, <laughs> who gives a fuck about my body as long as my ego is intact? <laughs> there you go. That's, I mean, that's what powerlifting is, right? It's a one rep sport. So it's all about just putting it all into one rep. So. You know, fuck your body. Yeah, exactly. As long as yeah. you get your rep. Ironically, I tell you, I did a dumb thing because I felt it pull on my second rep and it was just flying. So I was like, well, it's not going to get any more pull. <laughs> <I mean, laughs> and, uh, and I'm here to tell you that it does get more pull. <laughs> For sure. It gets way more pull. Fuck it. I feel better now after I hit. Uh, I had a lot of lat work today. So uh, I think it was like a lower lat or something. So I think getting some heat in it and getting it moving today on yeah. some pull downs and bent over rows and stuff, I think that really. Uh, help me feel better so yeah i'm i'm a big uh what's the word i believe in putting heat in the muscle more than the cold yeah hell yeah i'm, I'm so against cold therapy i don't know i wanted to try it I, when we were in uh northport they actually had a cryotherapy place and i wanted to go in it just to try it just to see what it was like but i didn't well I, I agree with you we've had this conversation about it before Ice doesn't do anything for the healing process or getting better or anything like It just that. slows it down. It does. It absolutely does because blood flow ultimately is what heals an area. We know that scientific literature and stuff points to it. I will say this. I've always made a case for ice, not because of the actual scientific part, but because it does get rid of some swelling and it can make some things more comfortable in the short term. Yeah. That being said, over icing can make it a lot more stove up, stiff filling. Uh, after a little while, it just feels like shit. You need to move on to heat. The only, you know, you know, the only thing I say is why bother doing ice when you can do something like any inside, right? Yeah, absolutely. Like, and inside's work fun. Yeah, that's that's, uh, that's good. Um, it's not much different, honestly, than just fucking, like, I felt like shit all day because of this back. Getting to the gym, start moving, and, I, and right now I feel like my back pain's gone. Right. With a, some minor pain in my bottom left QL, uh... I get that pain all the time from uneven hips, but mm. with the exception of that, um, I feel pretty fucking normal right now. And, uh, you know, all day and all last night, I was pretty immobile, didn't move a whole lot and felt fucking 10 times worse than I do right yeah. now. Go to the gym, get some blood flowing and I feel, hell, I feel like I can rip 500 for three now. So Movement is medicine. Movement is medicine. Absolutely. So me, I did uh, squats today, SSB squats, and I did pretty light, but I, this was my first experience with uh, myo reps and that was interesting. So uh, 
Can you explain to me, obviously no, but can you explain what those are exactly? Yeah, so so after your initial set of, mine was 8 to 15, so I stopped around 10 or 11. Uh, and you would rest for about 30 seconds, and then you'd go into your myo reps. I mean, dude, I was doing three to five, so I was hitting three or four. I never, I never hit the top end of anything except one movement today, and it was some sort of accessory, and I don't even remember which accessory. So basically, it's about that quick turnaround. Yeah, that's yeah. all it is. It's just like you, you give your body just enough time to rest to get back into it and do more reps. Yeah, it'd be the same thing as like you were prescribed a set of five on bench press. You miss it on your fifth when you, you rack it, rest 30 seconds so you can have enough power to grind out that fifth yep. one, basically. That's, 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 that's basically what it's it a is. a scientific name. Yeah. Probably a little bit more purposeful. Yeah. Especially when you're doing it with intent instead of... Yeah. So you're you, not just saying, hey, I fucking got tired. Yeah. So typically, when I when, what my mindset is, when I go, I, I, if I'm going to get the 15, I want to use my myo reps to get the 15. Like that, that's kind of where I'm, where I stand on it. Now, some people may say, no, nah, get as many as you can, whatever. But I was also at an RP eight. So I knew I had to have two in reserve when I, when I went back to it. Right. So, uh, other than that, I did some really not deadlift deadlifts. And, uh, we're both conventional pullers. We both pull conventional and cause that's the only way to pull because the other way is awkward and <clears throat> not, it doesn't feel like a real deadlift. It, it, for me, it feels, I don't I think know. that's probably the benefit for some people pulling that yeah. way though, is because, because it doesn't feel like a real deadlift. <laughs> um, you know, it does play, obviously it plays leverages and whatnot. Yeah. Being, we're both pretty tall guys. You're five eleven or six foot, and I'm six foot one, six foot two. Um, both of us have long ass arms. We just never were built for sumo. No, my le- I, I figured no, that out today. today. I don't. Yeah. This is the first time I well I, I played around with. It. This is the first time I actually like intensely pulled sumo, and it just felt like I did not have any advantage in pulling it. But it did hit my glutes and hamstrings more, and that's the only reason why I'm doing it is to get a little more activation in my glutes and hamstrings for my conventional. Yeah, you know, on a, on a professional level, which you're ahead of me, and I'm very much not a professional, and not, neither one of us really are. <laughs> <laughs> a professional in the world of fitness, but not necessarily, you know, in, I, I, and as a coach, lift. I do would consider myself that. But as a power lifter, I am not a fucking professional. <laughs> that Same. being said, I feel like, and this is speculative, this isn't set in stone, most of the guys that pull really, really well sumo are lacking something on squat compared to other pros. I'm not comparing them to me. They all squat more than me because I have fucking poverty squat. Yeah. But they tend to squat less than really good conventional pullers. Right. And, and that you, makes sense. You see that on the super heavyweight level. Yeah. They somebody like uh, Dan Bell. Yeah. Versus somebody like Dan Grigsby. Yeah. Which, which Dan, his, his squat's coming up fucking his, huge. His squat <laughs> yeah, is coming up huge. I I haven't <laughs> seen his most recent squat, but I know he's he's, he's close to eight hundred, right? Yeah, I can't remember. I know he just recently pulled like eight hundred for like two or three or something easy. I'm just saying, but most of the time, I would say that Derek Thistleweight, being the exception, yeah. is an extremely fucking good squatter. And all these, again, all these guys are. I'm just talking about compared to their deadlifts. Yeah. Um, most of the time, there's a pretty big discrepancy in what those people squat and what they deadlift. And then I original, originally, um, uh, man, what's his name? Uh, I don't. Uh, Kaylor Woolham 
huge deadlift. He's the first person I saw like deadlift a thousand pounds of like sub two fifties a sumo puller. Uh, he was always, you know, again, squatted a shit ton compared to normal gym bros and even compared to normal powerlifters. But, you know, there's a little, literal, a 300 pound difference between a squat and right. a deadlift. Like, it's fucking huge. Yeah. I just don't feel like you see that in, in, in conventional pullers as much. They're typically a little bit more buttoned up and a little closer yeah. together. I guess I couldn't really say <clears throat> personally. I mean, I'm not, I feel like I'm years apart, but it's really only 100 pounds apart that I know of because I didn't really go all out in my last meet so I don't really uh, don't really know what I could at all but um. so we're uh, coming off of coaching a meet I was I was coaching I guess really more handling Nathan and then uh, his girlfriend Desi mm -hmm. who I coach and uh, that was last weekend a week from yeah. a week a week from a day right this past week yeah I believe right. so yeah, yeah. absolutely <clears throat> both of them did pretty damn good so, um, it was not bad. I ended up with a 540 squat, uh, which actually moved a lot better than I expected it to because um, I thought it was going to crush me. But actually, when we were talking about when you, you which I was really happy you were there because between my second and third, you said it was like a completely different squat. Yeah, it's a completely different look. So the second one, uh, they were really nitpick, nitpicky about depth, uh, which they should be. Let me just say that. But people that normally I feel like we're getting would have gotten a deep enough call were getting called high. Um, so we needed we knew we needed to sink them. And what you had done is the first two you kind of had a more forward knee position, which is not the way you squat. So it's a little bit more vertical squat. And then on the second one, I really caught it because you almost like you didn't necessarily dive bomb it, but you were a little quicker in the descent than. I am comfortable with as a coach and that you probably were comfortable, <laughs> com comfortable with too. And uh, it was a little bit grindier than your final rep, which is heavier because um, we were able to make that adjustment. So um, I know one thing you worked on, it was a Matt winning tip, but the biggest deal is that second, that third rep, um, your third attempt, pushing your hips back more and then maintaining a more vertical shin really, really helped you in terms of speed and power on the bar. And that's something you worked on this prep, right? It, it was, yeah. When, as soon as, it was funny because I was doing a little more knees over toes at the time, uh, thinking, well, I really need to build my quads. I need more activation in my quads. Closer I got to prep, and then it was just kind of perfect timing. I think it was maybe two months out, I was listening to the Mark Bell podcast, and he was on there. He's like, you need to squat with vertical shin. It's the only way you're going to get activation out of your whole leg. And I was like, well, maybe I need to start doing this and pay a little more attention to that. And as soon as I incorporated it in my training, I felt like it was just different. It was better. All, all around, I felt like I didn't have to squat as deep to actually hit depth and, like, the power at output at the bottom was so much better. So then I started training that way. And then I guess meet day nerves kind of got me. And I was like, oh, I just need to go out there and squat it. So I reverted back to what I had been doing all these months prior instead of what I was doing at the you know month or two ago. Yeah. Uh, but then, like I said, we caught it and it moved so much better. It kind of made me feel like I probably had another 10, 15 pounds. Yeah, I think 550, 560 was on the cards, but um, I wouldn't have doubted it. It was it was a good adjustment, and I'm happy we saw what we saw. Yeah, uh, I've done the opposite in my squat, and that I've gone back to where I had gotten used to a super vertical shin and a flat shoe. I've gone back to more of a vertical drop, so a more knee forward shin position, and uh, 
I healed you, and that's because I have the weakest quads in the world, and uh, I need help from them, one. So it's kind of forced me to use my quads more. Um, and I feel like that's helping me with a more total leg mm-hmm. uh, thing. But it's a teach, teach their own thing. We talk about it all the time. No two squats are the same. Um, it just is what it is. But my quad weakness is glaring compared to my hamstring yeah. and glute weakness, for right. sure. Um, and also, some of these things are just kind of hard to diagnose. Sometimes... You know, for, for years I've gone thinking, hey, I've got weak hamstrings and weak glutes. I got to train these, I got to train these, I got to train these. And it turns out I spent so much time doing that, I actually have developed a quad weakness. <laughs> right. <laughs> so it is what it is. So now I'm going the opposite direction. And it seems to, it seems to be a lot better. Yeah, as long as long as you catch it up and even it out, I mean, yeah. you'll be fine. There's always going to be that, though. Anytime you're training, it's very hard to develop fully. Like, there's always going to be something that surpasses something. Yeah, absolutely. And you you're always going to have to go back. back. Um Let's talk about bench press because that yeah. leads me to your bench press attempts. Because that leads me to the next thing where we're talking about uh, changing in technique and, and programming mm-hmm. style and stuff like that. So that kind of leads me to my next point, I think. So yeah. let's talk about your bench attempts and how they went. Uh, so the honestly, warm ups felt like garbage. The whole and I don't know why. I don't know if my body just doesn't get warmed up to bench press as fast as it used to. Maybe because I'm getting older. But it could be because it's getting fucking heavier. That's true, too. I mean, let's let's be honest. Uh, I did have a really good bench press. I ended on 420 or 419. 419, technically. Um, it's 419-point-something, but what? It's like 5 or 7 or something. Is, like that, I don't remember. Whatever. Might as well round up. Yeah, I'm just going to yeah. call it 420. Yeah. Blaze it, raise it. <laughs> but uh, 420 was my final attempt. The, the I think it was the first one that I went out there, it moved like my warm-ups did, which was concerning because we were both kind of like looking at each other like, I don't know how this is going to go. Um, then it was 4.07, I think. I think either 4.02 or 4.07. It was yeah. one of the two. I think it was 4.07 because I don't think I made that big of a jump. Did you open with 3.96? 392, I believe. 392. I think it was 391. 391. It's like 391.6, but yeah, I think. Yeah. yeah. The, when they had it on the board. So you, the next one was 402 or 407. Yeah. It doesn't really matter because you ended up hitting them all three. Yeah. So it doesn't matter. But it, <laughs> it moved so much better. Um, I don't even remember making an adjustment. Did you do that internally? Because as a coach, I don't I don't think I said, hey, do this. There was, there was something that I thought about, I think, but I don't even remember what it was. The, the day... You know, catches you. Yeah, I can't. I can't even remember. But I, I feel like there was something that. that did I, I don't really remember the two of us discussing anything on. The we, I don't think we discussed anything. But it, it definitely. I definitely feel like there was something I did when I went back out there that second time, and I was like, I got to do this differently. I wish I could remember, but I just don't. Yeah. Anyway, four twenty was what we ended on, and it moved. Like I had probably 10 or 20 more pounds, which was insane to me because throughout the whole prep, I I was overshooting my bench the whole time thinking that everything felt too easy. But bench is so finicky that when you go into a meet, you don't really know what you're going to get out of it. Yeah, we, we typically have a conservative. I like to have a conservative bench plan for most of my clients. And the reason being is because, I mean... I don't know. Gravity's a mean old bastard <laughs> on, on upper body. So, I mean, it really, it really is. Um, but typically, because I, I kind of feel like you just got to kind of take what bench gives you. Yeah. If it's there and you feel good, you got to go fucking get it. 
if it's not there, you have to have the wherewithal to say, we're going to take 5, 10, 15 more pounds off these attempts for the sake of my total. Because yeah. missed lifts is missed total. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's, that is what it is. So, I mean, sometimes, um, you know, we actually talked about this with Desi and her deadlift. If <clears throat> she missed her second second attempt on a command, she, mm-hmm. she, uh, she dropped the ball before she was supposed to. But it actually, we ended up making a smaller jump to the third attempt because the second one moved, but it actually netted her five more pounds mm-hmm. because the bigger, the final jump we were going to make wasn't there. Well, wasn't, we don't know. We don't it was know, probably, but based on the way she was feeling, it probably wasn't there. Yeah. So we actually ended up five pounds better than the good. So right. I just have, being smart enough to say, this is what I have. Her example was on deadlift, but more often than not on bench press, you just got to kind of fucking take what's there. Yeah. And for whatever reason, I just had some superhuman. I was, I was, it's, this is a little, this, it's a little nerdy, but I was, uh, the new God of War game came out and like, <laughs> I was thinking about something that really gets me pumped up. There's a scene. It's like the very beginning of the game and it's like. Uh, you know who Balder is? I don't know anything about this shit, dude. Balder is like <laughs> a Norse god. Anyway, Kratos is a Greek god. Balder okay. is a Norse I god. He comes into his house and he's like, hey, I'm going to fight you. And he's just constantly telling him, leave my house. And that was what I was saying in my head over and over again. Just leave like, my house? Leave my home. Leave my home. And I was just getting <laughs> fired up. And I don't know if that made a difference or not, but I definitely got fired up. Mindset's a lot, man. And uh, yeah, I just pressed it. Now it's like, there it is. So we were talking about, um, we talked about the vertical shin versus toe travel, you know, knee traveling over Mm -hmm. the toes on a squat. And we're both big juggernaut guys. And that juggernaut's always taught knees over toes, stuff like that. So it's a little bit different than that way. You know what I mean? But they've taught that knee travel forward is not necessarily the devil. It's not bad. You know I mean? And it's, I don't you know, think it is. I don't is. think it is either. But I do think what's, like, again, what's best for you is what's best for you. Yeah. I've often heard it said, and I'm not sure, as I get stronger, I'm not sure that I, I'm not sure that I don't believe this, but also there's a huge discrepancy in, on these two lists for me. But I've always heard it said when it comes to bench press, you should be able to row mm-hmm. as much or more than you can bench press. Right. And you're over 400 pounds now. I am on the cusp of pressing 400 pounds. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I can tell you, buddy, I ain't fucking doing that. <laughs> I ain't doing better over rows with, and I'm a good deadlifter, but I'm not going to fucking do better over rows with 400 pounds. I can't fucking do it. You know, I, but I have heard it and heard it often. You should be able to row as much or more than you can bench. Now, if we're talking optimal back health, if we're talking <clears throat> gross form, just yanking it and ripping it, I have done 400 on rows. Oh, I know you um, had that 405 for several sets of three or five or something. It was, it, I think it was three. It was sets of three. But it's kind of hard to say because they're gross looking. They were just yanking it, you know, and it was really suboptimal range of motion. Yeah, like, so, so you know, obviously um, I, don't think, I don't think a bigger, stronger back is ever bad advice. No. But I've also never actually seen, and I haven't, I haven't seeked it out. But I've never actually seen scientific literature that says or points to suggest that you should be able those two numbers should be the same or if not more skewed toward the back. If that right. makes sense. Or, or but I've also often heard it said um, uh, quite a bit. Uh, what's that guy's name that owns Never State Athletics? Is it Brock Halsrue? Uh, I don't remember his name. He's this lightweight strongman, extremely fucking good. 
And he's always said, row what you can bench. And I've seen, you know, some of the better deadlifters in the world, too, have enormous bent over rows. Yeah. I mean, you got you to gotta be able to it's stabilize a, it's an the essential, bar. It's an essential movement yeah. to powerlifting. Like, if you're right. not doing bent over rows, get fucked. Like, you, don't you, <laughs> right. you don't know what you're doing, yeah. right? Like, uh, but, uh, but I just wonder, and maybe I should look that up, about literature that points to a row or your row strength being equal or more than your bench press. Well, you think about it, it's it's the movement is essentially the reverse of a bench it press. It is, absolutely. That's so, why we do it, part, partially. I mean... Lat control on the way down the bench press. We talk about it all the time. Teaching newbies, you almost want to pull the bar to you. We don't mean physically pull it to you, but you, want, you want to break in half. You want, you want to be deliberate with the with the way the bar yeah. moves, and that means lat tightness and stuff like that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and also, one thing that's underrated if you do self handoffs like me and you do is it takes a great deal of shoulder stability and lat strength to unrack a heavy bench press from behind your head mm-hmm. and then place it over mid chest or wherever you bench from yeah. to, to do the lift. So, I mean, there is no doubt lat strength is incredibly important to all of powerlifting, but it's, you know, especially the deadlift and bench press. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've never actually seen that literature. Have you, have you seen, I mean, have you heard people talk about this before? I've heard people talk yeah, about absolutely. it, but I've, yeah. ne- I've never seeked it out either. I've I, never I probably been should, one. especially as a trainer and coach. I mean, I'd be like, I'd prob- <laughs> probably need to know like, exactly what, and I don't doubt it, And it's probably, you know, in terms of programming, it's probably a philosophy I actually identify with even subconsciously because we do a shit ton of back. Yeah. And we do specifically a shit ton of horizontal rowing. Me and you are a big fan of uh, Mm -hmm. chest-supported T-bar. And then I do bent over rows once or twice a week. I'm horrendous at them, and that's a a point of emphasis for me. But, um, you know, we're doing a ton of vertical pulling, uh, not vertical pulling, horizontal pulling, and I still do a ton of vertical pulling too. Yeah. So I mean, there's tons of it. But I'm just, uh, I'm just kind of curious about, kind of curious about that though. Um, I think maybe next <laughs> we should, we should do some research to come back and verify and verify that. Yeah, but I, I, I can't imagine it being a, a detrimental thing. Oh, I, there's, I, I, I don't, just want to know if the weight is the same as people right. claim it to be. Yeah, you know what I mean, so I mean, they, they've, they've always said there's not <laughs> a weak person with strong back, right? Oh hell no, that's I like. Mean, that's that saying goes. I don't know how far back. Like people people with a strong back are you know they're like considered workhorses, right? Yeah, they're absolutely. Like a, yeah, it's a it's a like a point of human pride to have right? a strong back. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, they don't, it's kind of roughneck now, probably. Yeah, but I don't give a fuck. That shit's cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know, big strong backs are cool. That's yeah. what it is. So but, deadlifts. The last last uh, lift of the day. We sandbagged really hard, I think. Yeah, but that's, um, when I say we, you did what, what we made took. decisions based on what you needed to do to win, and that's what we did. Yeah. So. I do I do wish I had put, because I ended with 650. Um, Which is a meet PR match. No, 655. Five. Oh, my bad. I've yeah. done 655. That uh, was at the SPF. SPF uh, World, World Championship. Championship. Uh, I do wish I had put a little more, like six sixty or something, just to just to say, because I I had it right, like, but it was one of those things that was like I don't need to do it. There's there's just not a whole lot of sense to going in and. But you PR'd your total and you got the W. I did that. That was and, what and we you, chose. You also over... got a win. 
because we were all competing SPF, mm-hmm. which is fun because it's a shorter day. Um, shorter day. Well, well, except now the SPF except. World Championships were fucking long. Yeah. But most of the time, it's like a three or four hour day. Yeah. All those guys are cool as shit. Yeah. For the most part. Um, Shout out to Zach Marshall. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's, a, he's a badass. He's an awesome dude. Uh, Jesse's always given me some of the best advice I, still to this day that I've still heard in, I've ever heard in powerlifting. Yeah. And that's, you know, he's, he's a cool dude. He's a good guy. Um, but we moved from the SPF um, to the USPA because the majority of you, especially especially the girls, that's no offense to you or, or to mm-hmm. Austin, but there just wasn't any competition. Yeah. I mean, and, and for a raw lifter. Uh, yeah. Let me say that. Me, yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying there's not strong people there because there are. Oh, yeah. But, you know, my girls were out lifting girls that were competing in multiply. Right. And then the only people out lifting you in Austin uh, in the SPF meets were people that were in multiply. Right. Which I'm not going <clears> to. I'm not going to bash or say my real opinions about multiplying at the moment. We love you guys. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, great, great people. Salt of the earth. <laughs> oh, man. We, we do we, we do appreciate the strength that they display. Yeah, we absolutely. It's, so, listen, you got to be a fucking man to unrack some of that shit. Yeah. Just to unrack it. I mean, so, you think about uh, what Mark Bell, when he was he was in a suit. And he was kind of bench press yeah, and stuff. Like, you know, it's insane. Nuts. Um, and I think some of those guys transfer over to raw powerlifting really well. Matt Winning, yeah, a good fucking example. Exactly, genius of a fucking coach. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorite, probably him and Dave Tate are the best conjugate background coaches on the planet. Probably. Yeah, that's totally fair. And I, I don't think there's much arguing that. And no, I, I you know, have nothing to add on that. I know how I know how quotable Louie is. Louie's awesome. He's the creator. So yeah. I'll, I'll rest in peace. I'll props given. Yes. Um, but in terms of making conjugate style practical and then also using some of those co- conjugate ideologies like the vertical shin that's mm-hmm. a that's a multiply technique yep um and applying it to raw powerlifting uh fucking matt winning all yep. fucking day dude yeah he's he's all um, should definitely subscribe to his patreon <clears throat> yeah i need to do that i need to do that it's cheap <laughs> but it's uh back to the original point of we moved from the spf to the uspa Seeking out competition, mm-hmm. and this is the first time one of my lifters has gone um, to an event. One of my male lifters to an event yeah. had five or six of the baddest ass guys there were in their division and got the W. Yeah, and that was a good thing. Uh, Dante McCoy is a great dude. Ended up winning lift, uh, lifter of the day. He was the only real professional there. Mm-hmm. Squatted seven ninety nine. Fucking incredible guy. His wife won uh, lifter of the day for women. She yeah. was incredible too. But this was the first time that we won a weight class that was truly contested. Yeah, because there were several strong guys. We've, we've had people in our weight classes before that we just totaled three or four more, more yeah. pounds in. We've never had somebody that that we had to go over to the screen and say, this is what we have to pull or bench or whatever to beat them. And we did this time, and that's exactly what we fucking won. Yeah. It's the reason why we upped our game and moved from, from one to the... To the to USBA, yeah, and the SPF. If they just had more raw lifters, it did probably be a different story. It probably would be, yeah. But, but it's, it's purely a volume thing. Yeah, you know, you had 50, 60 people at this meet. You know, when we go to the SPF meets, there's ten raw lifters. Like it's way fucking different. Yeah, it's way different. So. <clears throat> it, it was nice to not be able to it was nice to be able to go out and not have to put everything on the table for deadlift to try and win something or to try and PR. It was just kind of Go out there, pull something I've pulled before, 
is 20 pounds less than my last heavy single and or 15 yeah. less than my last heavy single in training it felt really nice just go out there and just pull something i knew i was gonna get because it was easy but when i and, and the but only one against real competition. Yeah. You're always going to, it's always a good place to be. If you, if you're sitting here wondering if you could have done more. Yeah. That's where you that's a be. good fucking thing. Right? I mean, if you're sitting here wondering what you did wrong. Yeah. That's a bad fucking thing. You know, you know what I mean? In like, fairness though, if, if you, I, I believe it was Brandon Allen that said, uh, if you go nine for nine, you didn't, you, you didn't, didn't work, try hard enough. You didn't try yeah, hard enough. He, he was my, well, I've had another professional powerlifting coach too, but he was the only one that I've ever had that truly knew what the fuck was up. Yeah. Um, and uh, was a great coach, but we never made the plan to go. Nine for nine. Nine for nine. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about like five for nine to seven, seven, yeah. and, you know, seven for nine is what he expected. Yeah. Because he wanted me to absolutely get out there and put my nuts on the line. Yeah. Uh, to do the best I could. And that's, you know, that makes sense. You know what I mean? It does. Um, personally, Coaching the level that I coach at, which is probably not as grand as the <laughs> level that Brandon coaches at, a lot of this, a lot of these times, these people are doing this for the first time. It's their first meet, and uh, I really need them. I don't necessarily plan for a nine for nine day, but I do plan for three for three on squats because that's the most nerve wracking thing yeah. to a new person, and that's gonna you set know, the you, tone. You set the, the tone whole. for the rest of the day. You send somebody out there and they bomb. Or they go one for three on squats and they're feeling like shit. I'm telling you, bench press is a hard motherfucker to get right on meet day. And if you got somebody with no confidence going up to their bench press for the very first time, it's a bad fucking idea. Yeah. I mean, it they're, is. It's a bad idea. They're going to be nervous. <clears throat> they they just screwed up all their squats. They're going to be like, man, I don't know if I can even do the rest of this day. Yeah, right? absolutely. Like, I don't want to take wind out of people's sails. Now, somebody that's, uh, you know, super seasoned like Austin, if Austin says... Almost his third attempt comes to me and says, "Hey, tell him to load up 800. I'm going to go send it." Right. I, I trust Austin to make that decision. Yeah. You know, you know, I, I do. I'm not worried about Austin's attitude bouncing into bench press. Yeah. But the vast majority of my clients, it's their first time, second meet, third meet. They're new lifters. It ruins confidence going into bench press. Yeah. Uh, and I just don't don't fucking like that. I just think it's a bad idea. It's not to say that coaches that do plan more aggressively are bad coaches. Plenty of coaches that are a lot better than me, <laughs> but uh, but I'm just not there for balls to the wall at that point. Unless right. they're an exceptionally, if, if squats what they're going to win with, then, then maybe that's yeah. the case. But like, typically, I'm going to send somebody to go balls to the wall deadlift more than one. Yeah, so, yeah I mean it's the last lift of the day too. There's a lot more energy in the the crowd in the whole if you, room. If you injure yourself, it's not it's not going to ruin your day. Yep. As long as you're one for three at that point. Yep. You know what I mean? As long as you got your first lift. Um, now you don't want anybody to get injured. No, ever. of course. But not. you know, but like the risk versus reward is greater. The yeah. reward is greater at that point versus the risk, as as opposed to if you go send it out, send it out on squats. Like I tore my groin on. Yep. On squats. On third attempt on squats one time, and it bombed a meat. Um, if you go balls to the wall on squats, if I would have called up, there's nothing to say if I would have called up ten or fifteen pounds lighter than that. That it wouldn't have happened. There has to be a threshold somewhere that yeah. caused that injury, right? I mean, obviously, I went in mildly injured and ended up getting real fucked up. But like, or um, just axing the third attempt. But you know, if I'd have stayed in it, you know, there's a good chance I pulled close to 600 pounds that day and I win my weight class anyway. Yeah. If I just 
just fucking wave one. Yeah. <laughs> you know, even if I even wave it, you know what I mean? That, it's fine. That's another thing, <laughs> waving your attempts. Like, fucking wisdom and waving attempts, especially if you've been in it for a while. Like, yeah. If you know how your body's <laughs> feeling or you have prior injury and you're like, man, because. If you're you know, like me or you, too, who we're both improving, but who can. Uh, I can much more reliably count on my deadlift than I can my squat. Yeah. Like, if I'm feeling like shit on squat and I've got enough to make the total that I want. Likelihood of me waving that third attempt probably be pretty fucking high. Yeah, because I know I can go out and pull my third attempt on deadlift. Yeah, you know, right. you know what I mean. Like, or you can barring, or you can barring that injury. But if I if I go and fuck up and hurt myself on that third squat attempt, yeah, I probably go bench. Yeah, I make my opener on deadlift, but ultimately it may cost me shit. That could be a hundred fifty pound swing in a total. Yeah, you know, so. especially if it's something <clears> that's getting into your leg drive for your bench press, you can't quite. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That groin injury. Yeah, another you know, good you know good good example of that. Um, you know, so I think that, yeah, I really do like to plan for a three for three day. And I just, it's going to have to be, I would trust you. I would trust Austin. I would trust my wife mm-hmm. um, with saying, hey, we're going to send it on a third squat. But there's very few, especially my newbie lifters, that I'm going to say. Yeah. Well, I mean, you don't want them <laughs> essentially, like, especially on the first meet. You don't want them to have a bad day. Like, yeah, you don't t- want them to go in and be like, man, this sucks. Like, I don't want to power lift anymore. Because so, they had one bad day because they missed a squat. Typically, I go a three rep max as an opener. Yep. Probably something we've hit, but not a, not a projected one. Probably something we've hit before. Yeah. Gym. Three rep max as an opener, roughly a two rep max for a second attempt. And then we're going to go anywhere from 100 up to 102, 103% yeah. um, on a third squat attempt. Yeah. Most of the time, if things are have been planned, planned for, 100, 100 to 101%. Probably pretty fucking sure. Yeah, you know, it's it's, it's, it's it's generally a pretty safe bet. Unless something happens, yeah, absolutely. You know, jump a command, something like that. But maybe you, I mean, you get hurt. Obviously, that can happen. Yeah, um, I, I try to do those things too. And most of the time, you know, when you program backwards for from something, mm-hmm. um, I've already accounted for the fact that that two rep max is actually probably in the ninety-seven plus percent of their yeah. one rep max. So even if they haven't hit a one rep max in a long time. We kind of know that currently the one rep max is actually pushed out to 101, 102, 103% yeah. of their previous or what we're pre- programmed off of. So, right. And that like, makes sense. You know, that, that just is what it is. But I think we should have another shot. Yeah, time for another shot. And then we'll get into uh, what we've been doing for programming. You going to pour again? Yeah, shake, oh, <laughs> shaky hands over here is going to pour. shaky. Shaky Don's. I think this is going to be the last one because I think we're going to be out. Well, shit, you got another bottle or something, don't you? Well, yeah, but then we'd have to get up. Well, it'll be okay. Plus, um, this is putting my calories over, I think. Oh, is it? oh you're in a cut. I yeah, am yeah, in a absolutely. cut. I've actually abandoned mine so that I can do this uh, power lift meet in March. So. Yeah, and that's <clears> fair. <throat> like, just coming off of my meat, that's why I'm going to go ahead and cut. Cheers. Sip it and rip it. Sip it and rip it. So, juggernaut. Juggernaut. So that's, that's that's what we used for my meat prep for yeah. I think I would I think I started it four months out. Four no, it might have been six. I feel like you've been using it for a while because you did the whole power building block too. Yeah, I did like, I like seventy thirties keep the bodybuilding or something. Yeah, I think it was three I think it was three months of that, a month of strength, and then a month of Peaking. So you may have been closer to five total months. Then. I think it was some. It was somewhere. It was either five or six. There may have been two months of 
strength. I don't remember, but it was it was some some semblance of that. If, if I still had that. What's your uh, what's your total takeaway in regards to volume? Because volume is the biggest complaint of users currently. And then I have a very strong opinion about that to plug into. So <sighs> volume was. I felt like it was so skewed in one direction because the amount of accessory work with the power building program, because we we tried it years back when it was just power lifting. With the power building, accessory work is a lot better. They do have a lot more options, a lot more stuff that they want you to do. The barbell work, I always felt like it undershot my bench press and everything felt really easy on my bench press. On squats, I felt like it murdered me. And on deadlift, it depended on the day and how much, like what uh, what part of the program I was on, whether it was hypertrophy or strength. I want to say the default uh, deadlift setting in there is undulating. So you should have had roughly a week of easy and a week of tough or two weeks of easy, then a week of tough, depending on level. It was, um, I think during the strength and the peaking block, that's how it was. But on the... On the hypertrophy, it didn't. It was. You probably did a lot more deadlift variation there. Yeah, I don't think more prone probably to RDLs or there was RDLs and I think it was RDLs and deficit deadlifts. Well, there you go. That makes sense. Mostly doing that makes sense. Um, But my biggest complaint was just how, like, like I said, how uneven the barbell stuff was because. I'd always go out there and I'd always hit all of my bench press stuff and be like, this is so easy. Why is it? And I'd just throw more weight on there. I'd yeah. be like, it's just too easy. I can do more than this. And it, even if I would tell the app, this is too easy. I can do more of this. Instead of increasing the weight, they would add maybe a set or maybe they would add extra chest accessory work. And they had me doing some, when I, when I really dove in and was like, okay, this is, this is, this, this. And I set it up for how I felt I was at the end of the week or the month or however it uh, ended up. It would be like giving me some really weird supersets of chest and legs on a leg day. So it just added stuff in. And I was on a four-day split, so it wasn't like I was... Super fatigued. Well, not, not necessarily fatigued, but it wasn't that I was like stretching it or super condensed right Right. so it wasn't like so if i was on a three-day plan i'd be like yeah doing full body makes sense yeah and i I felt like two uppers two lows was fine yeah but they were like no you need to do chest on your leg day or legs on your chest day and it was really weird and i just i don't know that that was that was another complaint that i had um as far as the good of it i do feel like it does do a lot in preserving your body and your fatigue levels because it auto adjusts as you input information sure. in. I, on the same side of that coin though, every time I would come in, if I put fives on everything, they just add me more sets. And if I'd put ones on everything, they'd take away sets. Sometimes they change the weight, but it always just felt like it boiled down to sets. And not add not even reps. Yeah. yeah, it would just add or subtract reps based on how you feel. And it would it would fluctuate the weight a little bit because I would look in and I'd preview like what is it going to give me this day, so I could mentally prepare for what I was supposed to do that day. And if I came in with all threes, most of the time, which three is just neutral on all of my 
you know, yeah. how sore are you or whatever. Sure. It would just be like, here's uh, 10 pounds less than what you were projected for or whatever. And it's like, but if threes is the neutral, isn't that, shouldn't that be your baseline of what you're going to come in and do? Right. But I don't know. It, I know there's a, there's a lot to the algorithm. There's a lot that I don't understand that's put in there. Sure. But I feel like it, it just, to me, that just makes sense, right? Sure. Neutral should be what the plan is. And if you feel better, you should do more. I feel like you should I feel ex- like be you able should. to exceed the plan. Yeah. If you do less, you should be able to slightly underachieve mm-hmm. the plan probably. Right. And I, and I just kind of dislike that they mostly base that off sets. Yeah. So <clears throat> that kind of, the taking away of sets, and now I'm saying this barring injury in an athlete. Mm-hmm. So this is assuming you have a healthy athlete, and maybe it's taken away a set because they're, you're not well rested. Mm-hmm. My only problem with that is, as a coach, maybe not so much maybe myself or you or Austin, somebody that's advanced. My only problem with that is, and I don't, we've gotten so far away from this in powerlifting, but you really should be married to the amount of work you're doing and not so much the weight of the work that you're doing. Yep. Because at the end of the day, you're practicing a fucking skill. Yeah. Like it takes skill to squat well, to deadlift well, to bench well. My only argument for taking away the sets is I feel like if the if, if the set was too difficult, if you were supposed to squat, you know, 325 at you know for six reps at an RPE of eight, mm-hmm. and it was an RPE of 10. And you're supposed to have three total sets like that. It, I feel like it would behoove you more instead of dropping down to two sets to take the weight down, even if you had to take it down to 100 pounds, 225, and to get the fucking work done. And, and because that has more hypertrophic, especially when you're, I, I use an example of a set of six, you're really kind of starting to get the strength training there, mm-hmm. but it still has more hypertrophic value to go ahead and hit all three of those sets. Right. And and it and it does do have skill de- skill development too. Right. You know what I mean? Like, <clears throat> and the app will do that if you're in the app in the day and you're you put your RP ten. Yeah. You know, it'll it'll be like okay, let's drop the weight before it takes away that. Sure. But I, I'm talking about like your your check in. Yeah, your check in, and yeah. then you know you're expected to squat four sets of six, and you you check in because you missed an hour of sleep. It's going to take take a, you know, set, a away. set away. Yeah. I'm not so sure that that's I'm not so sure that that's beneficial. I'm with you on that. Like I mean, I understand. Um, set to set, you know, I was thinking more set to set, but even still, I would like to see that, especially from somebody that's newer, I would like to see that fourth set remain. Mm-hmm. And even if you have to do it with an empty bar, that's an opportunity to get better at something with your setup, your breathing, just overall technique. Um, even like I said, just plain hypertrophic value yep. of doing more work. Um, I don't really... I don't necessarily think I agree with just taking it all the way away. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I, I, um, too many adjustments to be made. Hell, you can go get a fucking dumbbell and do a goblet squat. Yeah. If, if you know, but something that's going to make you better, I feel like needs to be done in that moment. Yeah. And you know, I do understand too that beyond a certain level of lifter, um, maybe getting more into people that are class one or better, yeah. probably. Um, Getting more into that, you know, there's definitely, especially when you're in the heart of meat prep, you know, you're four, six weeks, eight weeks out, probably some value in skipping. Yeah. No, I mean, there's a lot of people who say, trust your body. So if, you're, if you go in, your body hurts and you're like, yeah, oh, don't do stupid shit. Exactly. Bottom line. Listen, I've been very injured before and I can still go in there and do air squats or squat the barbell. Yeah. We are developing a skill at the end of the day. Yeah. And that's, you know... We talked about it before. 
if you want to get better at playing guitar, you probably shouldn't. You, you can't. You can't expect your golf swing to, <laughs> <laughs> to make you better. At, you know what I mean? Like you know, if you need to do the thing to get better at the thing, yeah. right? Like I mean. You can't just be they can't just be these completely apples to oranges. Now, if you want to get better at guitar, maybe learning piano or learning how to read music or something that maybe is away from the instrument, maybe that benefits. Yeah. But it can't just be like vastly. I'm bad at squats, so let's go do box jumps. Yeah. I understand there's there may be some carryover. Right. But like at the end of the day, don't you think you just need to be fucking squatting? Yeah. If you're bad at squats, I mean, honestly. So I mean. uh, And I'm not knocking box jumps. There is absolutely some some carryover there, but like let's. You're bad at squatting though, right? Just fucking squat more. Yeah. You don't have to squat more weight. Probably shouldn't. Yeah, you probably shouldn't squat more weight, but you absolutely need to be squatting. Well, I mean, mm-hmm. it is what it is. Yeah. Uh, getting into more advanced things, I mean, obviously, why is your squat bad? Addressing that myself now is I have we talked about it in the beginning. I have a quad weakness versus my much my much more posteriorly dominant. Yeah, um, that's the reason I deadlift 150 pounds more than my squat and that kind of shit. Um, you know, when you get into more new, there's there's definitely more nuanced answers to just squat more. Right. But it's also not going to hurt to get that practice. Yeah. It's, it's just it's just not. You know what I mean? Like you know, uh, carryover is important, and uh, practice is important. And I'm not sure it's always beneficial to just take the work away, lessen the work, make the work easier. If you have to fucking squat singles, mm-hmm. you can't even hit. You know, if you have to do squat singles on an empty barbell. I think the practice, it behooves you to practice your sport. Yeah. I, I don't disagree with you at all. Yeah. You know, uh, everything within reason. And like I said, barring injury, barring, pro- this is probably not something you should put into practice if you're four weeks out. Like I so said, if something, if, you, if you're having a shitty day, maybe you should skip that last set, you know, when you're that far out. But the vast majority, the other 10 months out of the year, 11 months out of the year, you should be doing the work that you were yeah. prescribed. Right. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? Yeah. There's a reason whether it's from AI or something like that, or from a coach like myself, there's a reason you've been prescribed that work. And there's not a coach on the planet that's worth their salt. Um, that if you say I am hurting is going to say, you have to do that weight anyway. Right. Or I can't do this. You're going to have to do that weight anyway. Yeah. Now all of us know the difference between you hurting and being a bitch, <laughs> you know, there's, there's going to be moments where we're going to have to say, you know, yes, you can. Yes, you can go fucking do it. That being said, though, but uh, I think it's, and, and this is just maybe semantics, but I think there's a difference between just just go do it and yes, you can. Yeah, absolutely. because you you as a coach know you have the that your yeah, athlete has the capabilities of doing absolutely. this, whether they believe it in themselves or not. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. That's that's a, that's a hundred percent. Sometimes that's about building some self esteem and some yep. character within. You know, you have to have some big old nuts and powerlifting sometimes, and it's uncomfortable. To be uncomfortable. That's yeah. just, it is what it is. But, you know, I just don't think that, again, I just don't think that taking work away from somebody that clearly needs practice within reason mm-hmm. is a smart thing to do. Yeah. And I agree. I, I'm <clears throat> much more of a proponent of volume. I mean. I think the further I go, the more I lean toward more, vo- more total volume and less total exercises. Yeah. You know, I mean, it definitely was, a, I think I was, you know. When everybody starts, you feel like you got to do every exercise in the fucking gym to, because yep. this builds this and this builds that. Well, just take some time to get good at something. Yeah. Um, and I think that that goes into my next thing. A lot of the times, when I was on the regular juggernaut powerlifting app, I didn't do power building. So yeah. when I was just doing powerlifting, a lot of times I might get four, five, six sets of squats, 
which is very hard. For, that was very hard for me to recover from. Yeah. Again, I'm probably going to do the success squats anyway. Mm -hmm. If I have to do it with a plate, I'm doing my success squats. And then there was almost no accessory work volume yeah. and no opportunity to address we directly address weaknesses. Yeah. And the most important thing about accessory work is you can address those weaknesses without it frying your CNS, yeah. without it being total body fatigue being so high. Um, I think my issue with it was it would have you know six sets of six on squats, and then it would have me leg press and RDL and do a core exercise, and I was done. Yeah. That's all well and good if you're hitting enough volume to elicit responses, but you know you would get three sets, four sets of you know eight to twelve reps. Like, there's not a lot of challenge there, I guess. You know, and you're talking, you know, you're talking about maybe beginning the barbell and accessory work included. You're probably talking about an hour and a half. You know, yeah, not even time wise. Probably like 15, 16 total sets. Probably. Oh yeah. You know what I mean, Mike? And I just felt, uh, I felt like the barbell volume was extreme for a big man, mm -hmm. and then the accessory work volume was like non-existent. Yeah, and that just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Yeah, you know, especially when you you have an AI app that. You're supposed to be able to put your weakness in and say, my bench press weakness for me personally is I hate training biceps. Mm -hmm. Biceps are your brakes in the bench press. You need to train biceps for the record. Um, <laughs> but I hate training biceps. So I think it's the worst fucking thing to do in the gym. So I need a, I need a bigger bicep. And uh, for the most part, my shoulders are a limiting factor in my bench press. I've always had uh, unstable, weak shoulders. And that's, so you, know, you put that in the app, on an AI app, you know, if I'm designing this program for somebody, I'm automatically thinking this person needs to be hitting shoulders probably a couple times a week. Mm -hmm. Probably need an alternative press of some type, probably an overhead press or, right. you know, dumbbell press. And then we're probably going to do a shit ton of laterals and rear delt work to stabilize the joint. Right. You know what I mean, that's immediately where my mind goes is kind of make the whole shoulder girdle more stable, stronger. That wasn't necessarily the case, I found. Yeah. I mean, it might give me some, it might say, oh, your shoulders are weak. Here's some dumbbell presses. But it wasn't really like attacking the weakness like I would right. if I were programming for you or something. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It was just kind of just, it felt very uh, surface level. Yeah. It kind of kind of just like you, <clears throat> you have a template. Here's your template. And, oh, you need some shoulder? Pick a shoulder exercise and do it. Right? Like, yeah, absolutely. It didn't really address, you got weak shoulders. It didn't address, why, well, why do I have weak shoulders? Right. Chances are, if you're a power lifter, you're pressing most programs worth their weight, in my opinion, you're going to have a two, probably to about two, what I would consider two and a half time frequency. Yeah. So basically two competition style presses. Mm -hmm. Might be a bench, a chain bench, a bench and a board press, something like that, but two competition style benches and then one uh, variation. So maybe like an incline or overhead press or something like that. Right. Chances are, if you're pressing three times a week, you probably don't need front delt work. Right. So just to say, hey, you need to go, you need to get dumbbell overhead presses. Probably now those are really good for total shoulder, but mm -hmm. it's still front delt dominant. Yeah. Chances are, it's your medial and rear delt though that right. as a power lifter you're missing. You know what I mean? Like, so it needed. I feel like the the answers that it should have been giving needed to be more nuanced than what they were. Right, and I guess specific weaknesses. You know in, what I'm in defense of it, just just a little bit. For an app to be able to do that is really difficult. Oh, uh, fuck yeah. I yeah, mean, no. for them to be like, oh, well, we can diagnose your, which specific part of your shoulder is we, you know, just based on what you put in. Now, but me or you as coaches can. Right. They can say, hey, you know, 
you, hell, you can see it on some people sometimes. As, as powerlifters, we all got big front delts. Yeah. Like, look at what does your total shoulder cap look like? Right. You should be able to look at somebody and say, I, and I do, I have some small shoulder caps, so mm -hmm. I don't have big shoulders. It's a fucking medial delt. Yeah. I trained the shit out of my back and I have for years, but it's, it's a medial delt weakness for me personally. Right. It's made a huge difference in my, in my pressing power. Right. Um, I'm 100% off drugs right now and, and pressing consistently. One rep max is not the same, I'll tell you that much. But mm -hmm. consistently, rep to rep, I'm, consistent, I'm consistently pressing as much as I ever had mm -hmm. on. And it's because of a more stable shoulder joint. Yeah. Mean, it really is. Because I, as a coach, was able to say, this specifically is what's wrong with my shoulder. Yeah. And I did have help from my coach, Grant. Mm -hmm. uh, but we were able to say, this is specifically what is wrong with my shoulder. This is what needs to be addressed. And you're, like I said, you're not necessarily getting those nuanced answers. Right. And you, could, and you shouldn't expect it from an app. Yeah. That being said, the problem with this, and you just did it to great success, so I'm not necessarily saying that it doesn't work because obviously it does. The problem, the problem with this is you do have people thinking they can replace an in-person coach with this. Right. And I would say that maybe in terms of programming to an extent, maybe it does have some benefits to coach, maybe some unbiased benefits maybe a coach doesn't. Right. But what it can't do is give you, a, like you said, give you a nuanced answer of what specifically is wrong with my shoulder. Right. Why am I not pressing more? If it's a shoulder weakness and I, you know, train front delt all the time, mm -hmm. why is my shoulder weak? It's not going to give you an answer like that. Right. It never gave me an answer. If you if you know your quads are weak going into the AI, talking about AI, then you can address it specifically. Mm -hmm. But if you don't know, for a long time, I, I told you, I, my, my quads got weak because I thought it was a hamstring glute weakness for the longest. And I learned by watching myself and advice from others and stuff like that, that it was actually a quad weakness that I had. Um, the juggernaut's just not going to instantly identify this. He's not going to have, no, have no ability to say, you know what? You fucked up. You're not hamstring weak, uh, hamstring dominant or quad dominant. You're this dominant or right. whatever. You need more of this. You know, I'm hamstring dominant. I needed more quad work. And, uh, you know, you can't get that kind of nuanced answer. Yeah. The only, the only <clears throat> thing that I would say now that that would be like coming from a newer person who can't identify those things. Sure. Now yeah. someone who we have the experience, ability to identify those, so. yeah, and they can they can look and they be like, oh well, I know this is a problem. They can be like, okay, so I know my rear delts are weak, so I'm going to put for my shoulder exercises rear delt flies. So if you have someone who's knowledgeable, then the app works so much better. And I maybe the, agreed. I, yeah. I don't know if maybe that's where their mindset was when they made the app, when they made the algorithm. I know they say it's for everybody, but maybe. I mean, it is for everybody, but maybe it's skewed more towards people who have knowledge of fitness. Yeah, and I think, but that's but that's a that's a damning quality in and of itself because yeah. the most people listen. Well, most most of these people though are you know the app is how much a month now thirty five thirty five I think okay so the app's thirty five dollars a month that is tremendously cheaper than a coach than yeah. a coach. There are beginners that do not have that information. Mm -hmm that are using this app every day that don't know those nuanced answers cannot put in, I have a rear delt weakness. Yeah. This is, you know, why my shoulders suck. Mm -hmm. um, if you don't have that information or don't have the ability to find that information, let me tell you, sometimes that information doesn't come quickly. Even mm -hmm. as a coach, yep. the nose telltale signs of quad weakness 
that answer did not necessarily come quickly to me. You know, yeah. it's trial and error sometimes. But you sure as shit can't expect somebody brand new to the app to no. say, oh, I must watch, or, you know, I must watch bad because I have a quad weakness. Yeah. Can't do that. No. You know I mean? And, that's, and that's, I think that's what it's missing. And I did uh, talk about pre-programmed things. Shaco has an AI app now. And then uh, John Hack, the goat, has mm-hmm. uh, got Evolve out now, ironically written by... Garrett Blessings, who wrote the original Juggernaut AI app. Which should be interesting <laughs> to see how that actually works. Because I, I haven't downloaded it. I haven't done any. If they have a trial, I'll probably give it a shot and just look at it. Just to kind of get an idea of how they have built their algorithm. Because I, I think it'd be really interesting well, to see. Well, if anybody knew the ins and outs of it. Right. Could be that, right? Um, but the question is, is it going to be a clone of Juggernaut AI? Or is it going to be completely different? Now, is it going to be... Let me say this. I think, and somebody can historically check me on this because it's somewhere buried deep in YouTube archives of juggernaut training systems, but I think Garrett Blessings originally wrote it when it was still in a spreadsheet. Right. So I'm not sure how much he had to do with the actual app itself. When Sandy used Juggernaut AI originally, you got a spreadsheet then inputted stuff, and it was basically all coded into the spreadsheet. Right. Um... Somebody was real fucking good in Excel. But uh, basically, you know, it was all put in there and uh, you use a spreadsheet to get your AI answers and whatnot. Um, I don't know if he was involved in actual app writing or not. Right. When it actually Probably came to your, when it came to your cell phone, it wasn't des- a desktop app. Yeah. Um, so I don't, I don't know. Um, it should be interesting to see in any, in any case what, what it comes what's, out with. What's interesting to me and... I'm saying this, hoping that this, these robots don't take my fucking job. <laughs> um, you have all these great apps that I've used before, and I've got a couple on my phone right now, and I can't can't even think of the name of them, but they track bar path. Oh, really? Do you like video so, it so while for, you're yeah, pressing? Yeah, so, so you're like, you know, from, for a squat, you would do a side profile, and you would check how vertical, you know, yeah, the, the bar, bar path is. is. Well, that's incredibly valuable as a coach because you can see somebody, if you have like a little bit of a good morning style squat, um, a lot of the times that's because you're quad weak or mm-hmm. you're not pushing through your toe enough. Right. Well, there, there's that answer I was looking for. Like if I had a side profile of my squat, I probably could have said, I'm not getting enough anterior leg drive. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not getting my butt and stuff under me fast enough. That's why my chest is dipping. This is a quad weakness. Could have said that. You know what I mean? So if you have these if you have these apps that you can track bar paths and shit with, why haven't they been integrated to help people find these more nuanced answers I just spoke of? But there's X amount of things that you can tell. Now, given the shoulder weakness thing in a bench press is probably not going to be real telltale right. on a horizontal press. Probably be more telling on an overhead press or something like that. Mm-hmm. But why haven't they integrated those things so that we can get, even if it's an AI answer, a review of the video? It should be simple enough for it to break down. If it's already doing all this programming, it should be simple enough for it to analyze a video and say this bar path is coming forward because of this, this, and this. Or so if it can be. analyze the bar path, it can, it should, in theory, be able to be like, okay, here's the graph, right? And you've got all these lines. And if it goes too far here or too far here, then it should be able to spit out an answer saying, oh, well, if you're too far here, it's this, or too far sure. here, it's that. 
So that's a good point. Why why haven't they? Maybe they haven't had the idea. Maybe they haven't. Uh, Maybe we should keep our ideas to ourselves. <laughs> I, I think uh, unless we have someone who can build maps. So even if, uh, um, at that point though, I mean, it begs, even if that causes the price of the app to triple and you're paying $100 a month for this AI app, that's still drastically cheaper than a coach. Right. Is it still missing nuanced answers? Yeah. Some. Is the app going to come kick you in the balls if, you, if you're if you being a pussy and tell you to get up and do it anyway? <laughs> no. But like, um, there's a figurative kick in the balls. Uh, a literal <laughs> kick in the balls would be detrimental to performance. Uh, and probably for the, the, the contract as well. Yeah, exactly. Uh, probably, probably not good for your career as a personal trainer. Um, that being said, though, uh, you know, it's still still not going to check boxes like that, but at least we're getting a little bit more in the way of what an actual coach could do. For right. You. And that, that would be, I mean, science and technology has vastly improved in the past 20 years. So who's to say in 20 more years, we won't have a robot on our phone saying, you know, you just put a camera up and it's watching you do all these things and you're like, oh, well, it can just identify every single problem that goes wrong. I sure. Mean, and I'm not saying, you know, it's not going to identify every problem, but I'm just saying, you know, if you a bar, a, you can do remarkable things with just tracking bar path. Yeah. In terms of addressing weaknesses and stuff. Right. So, it is what it is. I think you would be getting closer to a, a, a better, more nuanced program from those things than... Uh, than, than what shoulder exercise, lat exercise. That, be, yeah, that being said, though, exercise. I'll say this. Um, trying to figure out how to put this here. Uh, Imitation is a sincerest form of flattery, right? So, like, I learned a lot of what I know about programming by copying, yeah. you know. Other coaches. Other, other coaches, coaches, other ideas. You know, we've sat on, between the two of us, YouTube for hours, mm -hmm. continuing ed, like, you know, you take something and you try it. If it works for you, you keep it. Um, stuff like that's been pretty remarkable, right? And I, I used Shaco for years, like I said. Um, I've done Texas Method. I've done uh, Windler 531, which I, I have pretty strong opinions about and we won't get into. <laughs> um, but, you know, I've, I've learned, I've, I've used a ton of different programming uh, over the years and Conjugate, you know, done a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, and you kind of develop your own style and stuff like that. I will say for an in the box program that you didn't have to write yourself or a coach didn't have to write for you, the AI is vastly superior to something like just using, just downloading a, uh, hat, uh, no, the hatch squat program and mm -hmm. just going off blanket yeah. percentages. This is what you're going to do today. And if you don't like it, fuck you. You know what right. I mean? I think it's much, much closer to what we should be doing. Right. You know what I mean? It's a much better idea. Uh, and so I do think it's, you know, we use, as beginners, we use those things for years, like pre-made programs that wasn't even written for us. Oh, man, five by five strong lifts. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I, I'll be honest with you. For somebody just starting out on the barbell, I still use a strong, strong list five by five. Yeah. Uh, that's perfectly valid and reasonable for somebody that's brand new to the game uh, that want to track their own workout and stuff like that. Um most of it's general fitness clients, right? Just so mm -hmm. they can keep up with progress. Like right. I'm probably not training you as a power lifter with yeah. that. Um, but that's perfectly fine for somebody just wanting to come to the gym and look better, feel better, move better. Yeah. That's a perfectly viable way to track 
barbell progress. I don't yeah. have a problem with it. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the app's vastly superior to, to what we fucked with when we first started powerlifting. Right. Truthfully. I mean, and honestly, <clears throat> how long has that app been out? Like two, three years? It's gone Probably on a little bit longer than that. Sandy was on it pretty quick. I want to say was Sandy it, started 2017, 2018. Was it, so it was post COVID or, or pre COVID. It was pre COVID. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, which I'm sure the popularity of it rose tremendously during uh, through the pandemic. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, then, you know, something like that has a tremendous value. Yeah. Uh, which I mean, you can always, you know, video call your coach, and there there are way other ways around it if you if you want or need that in person. Yeah, we well, could just throw the super spreader event like we did, and yeah. just fucking have ten people working out in my carport <laughs> through the whole pandemic, and, uh, and we, just we help each other six out. feet away from each other. We except when you no, we a spot. fucking didn't. <laughs> except when you need a spot. There was there, with that many people, there wasn't six foot to stay away from each other. In that. No, we really It was a didn't. tiny carport. It, it was. I mean, it got worse towards the end, but the beginning of it wasn't so bad. There were like three, four. It was me, you, and Austin. Me, yeah, it was me, you, and Nikki, Austin. Nikki, Brittany, probably, you know, some of the times. Nikki yeah. came through a few times. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it was pretty, it was pretty tame for some of it. Yeah. Until the whole neighborhood realized I had a home gym. <laughs> and, and then they, they were uh, like knocking on your door. Hey, can we, uh. Yeah, I mean, everybody. Uh, man, that's a whole you other conversation most, for another day. But. You were the most popular person. Yeah, I thought I had friends for a little while. <laughs> I really did. I really thought I had friends for a little while. It is what it is. Oh, well. Right. Let's see. Uh, so, I kind of already covered what we want to see. Yeah, we talked about we talked about uh, the Evolve AI, too. Yeah. Uh, Shaco Gold, which that was short-lived. Use that for like two weeks. Four days a week, a week of pressing and uh, two days a week of uh, low bar. It's fucking hell on your elbows for the record. Uh, I am definitely old enough now that I'm not low barring twice a week. I want to squat twice a week. Hell, I can squat three days a week. But, but I cannot, it cannot be a low bar. It's going to have to be an SSB and a low bar or you know squat. front squat. I do a lot. I do belt squat. So I have like a two and a half time a week frequency yeah. now because I do belt squats and low bar together. And then right. I do front squats and deadlift together. But, uh, <clears throat> so yeah, fuck that though. <laughs> short, short term, that's the only thing I got to yeah, say. Yeah. <laughs> so plan, what's plan for the future? Uh, I am going to compete. Uh, I'm embarrassed to say this. I'm going to compete in March in hopes that I make my first platform total. No. Um, and then I am swapping to bodybuilding the rest of the year with the intent of, Losing 50 or 60 pounds and uh, the ultimate goal of becoming a better powerlifter. The next time I'm 275, I would like to be a much fitter, more capable 275. Yeah. And I think even at my age, I think the best road to that is eating shit for a little while, mm -hmm. getting weak, losing the weight, um, going through an extensive bodybuilding program. And then, uh, and then, uh, Competing in that one time, I'm not going to compete in anything grand. It's probably going to be like men's physique or something like that, uh, or the transformation category because I will be losing. I'm going to be 300 for this meet probably. So right. I'll be losing from you know 275 to 300 down to probably 225 to be stage ready for that. So um, you know strength is going to go. Yeah. But the whole idea though is that 
you know, as you're fitter, as you're as you're skinnier, insulin sensitivity improves. So sleep, food, drugs, all those things do more for you mm-hmm. when you're more insulin sensitive. Um, so you know, it really is help hopefully to address some weaknesses to become a thinner athlete altogether, mm-hmm. and then to increase my ability to put on muscle with a fitter frame. If that makes sense, yes. that's the ultimate goal of it. Uh, I'm not going to walk away from powerlifting forever. I don't want to be a bodybuilder. Um, it is, but here's the, here's the thing. I have a, a history of disordered eating, uh, a brutal, long history of disordered eating and mental mental health disorders and stuff. Um, I am simply not the type of person to diet and to do it healthy or in a constructive manner unless I have an absolute... I have to do this goal at the end of it. I have to, I have to go do this bodybuilding show. Otherwise, the things I talk just talked about are never going to fucking happen. Yeah. Um, and if they do happen, it's not going to be in a healthy manner. It's going to be not eating. You know, you know, I had an issue with anorexia when I was in high school. Uh, it, it could be, yeah, not eating at all. Yeah. Um, to the point that it's detrimental to myself. So I, I have to set a goal whether it's unrealistic or not i have to have the fucking goal yeah. to to accomplish what i want to in powerlifting yeah. and i and the truth is uh as much as fun as it is to lift really fucking heavy and do a bunch of drugs i did ultimately get into fitness to become a healthier more athletic more capable person right. so i really think it's going to help me with powerlifting at large to do a complete reset mm-hmm. um and do this and i'll say this too and i'm Love the opportunity to shit on CrossFit now as much as possible. <laughs> um, I started out in CrossFit, and I'm going to tell you something. Genuinely, the shit probably saved my life because I was when I started, I was about 265 pounds, uh, smoker, 22, 23 years old, and my blood pressure was consistently, you know, 160 over 120. Uh, couldn't walk up a flight of stairs. Could barely tie my own fucking shoes. Like I was fat, fucking miserable. Um, and I looked like shit, mm. felt like shit. Like there's a reason I started, right? And the CrossFit loss stood up to about two fifteen. Uh, I was the only person that understood programming or how it worked uh, after I got certified. So I kind of got kind of forced into powerlifting a little bit, like in terms of program, because I was the only person capable at the CrossFit gym of co- coaching it, mm-hmm. first of all, or programming for it. Um, and I understood the technique and stuff, so I kind of got skewed that way. Uh, and then went right from CrossFit to to powerlifting. Yeah. I say that to say this: work capacity is great in CrossFit. You can you can take a lot of bullshit, right? Mm-hmm. What's not so great in it is actual muscle development. So what I miss as a as a powerlifter, and I think it's contributed to me being a piss poor powerlifter now, is I didn't have the same foundation of muscle, even though I was fit. Right. I did not have the same foundation of muscle as somebody maybe that had a bodybuilding background did. Yeah. And it's just because, you know, when your heart rate's dimmed all the time doing CrossFit, you're not going to build a lot of muscle. It is not an ideal thing. It is for total fitness. It's a really, really good thing for total mm-hmm. fitness, getting healthy, stuff like that. But just for being strong, kind of fucking sucks. <laughs> now, to the point so much that I don't even, you know, really, I mean... Professional crossfitters are probably training a lot more like we are. They're ch- they're chasing strength goals most of the time through the year, and conditioning can come fast if you're willing to eat and work on it. You know right. what I mean? So yeah. strength does not come quickly. I tell people all the time: there's a reason why people can do a sedentary person can do couch to five k, and go from sitting on their ass to running a five k in six weeks 
because conditioning happens relatively quickly. Mm-hmm. Strength is not, you're not going to get fucking strong in six weeks. No, you're not. You know, you're not going to get strong. <laughs> I got damn, I wish you could, but right? you're not going to get strong in six weeks. Six weeks. And there's uh, nothing, there's not, not to say that there's no place for conditioning because we know that's not true either. I've had lifters go fall on their face because they just couldn't handle the, the pressure of the whole day or the, the physical stress of the whole day, I should yeah. say. Um, and that is part of Yeah, like on a meat, meat day. day. Yeah, right. absolutely. That's partially my fault as a coach. You live and you learn, right? But uh, you also just have some people that are unwilling to get on the treadmill and do their list cardio just so they don't have a fucking heart attack with their two scoops of pre on meat day. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, it is what it is. Um, <clears throat> but uh, I really do think I was missing that foundation of muscle, so that's the reason for my reset. I want to build a solid fitter, foundation. more you know, solid foundation, a fitter, more capable frame. Yeah. Uh, so that, you know, the goal for March is, uh, it's a small goal, but it's a 1500 pound total. Yeah. The next time I step on a platform, if it's not to beat that 1500 pound total, if it's not for 16 plus or uh, my goals might even change to something more extreme, I don't want to fucking do it. Yeah. Like I didn't get into this fucking, I'm not, I'm not fucking around. Like I did get into it for my health and overall well-being and athleticism, like I said. Um, but, but none, of us, none, none of us show up to fucking lose. Yeah. I know there's, we talk about this all the time. Me versus me mentality is a is a good one in the gym, but you don't show up to meet day to get your ass kicked. No. And, and I do, know, you're you know, going to learn real quick yeah, that it sucks. It does. It does suck. So, you know, uh, I also don't show up to meet day to just get injured and bomb. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah. uh, you know, it is about building a bigger, better foundation for the future of me and powerlifting. I am getting older. I do want to remain heavy. I want to be, I, I want to be a 275 or a 308. But I don't want to be the fat fuck two seventy five three zero eight. I have the frame to support it. I'm six foot two. I can be a healthy two seventy five. Yeah. Right now I'm not a healthy two seventy five. Got to fucking fix that. That's what it boils down to for me. For me, um, <clears throat> short term is just getting leaner. I weighed in at two thirty three at my meet, uh, so I'm gonna try and cut down more so body fat than anything else. Because like you said. Coming off a cut, well, insulin, I forgot. Insulin sensitivity. Insulin sensitivity. There's other hormonal responses that happen, you know, that that improve the fitter you are. Yeah. Sorry, I'm tired. It's Uh, way past my bedtime now. Yeah, I'm sorry. No, it's not your fault. I'm just an old man and (laughs) like to go to sleep early. Um, But anyway, uh, get leaner. I want to be, basically, it's almost the exact same but reversed, uh, plan that you have because i'm coming off the meat now i'm doing the bodybuilding i want to cut down i want to get i'm not going to do a show but i want to get stage lean sure um that's that's the immediate plan once i get stage lean gonna try and get back to either i'm either going to stay at a lean 220 or i'm going to build to a 242 just depending on where i stand as far as body fat and total weight um, by the end of this cut that I'm in, uh, and then go on to compete in nationals in June. Oh yeah. I think it's June. Um, orange beach should be fun. Uh, we're going to do that and, uh, we'll see how I do. I guess I'm, I don't have any major expectations going in. Um, as long as I show up and I put it on the platform and if I, if I don't have what it takes to win, I don't have what it takes to win. There's just going to be someone that's better than me. Fair. Um, that's that, that's the way I look at it. When I show up, I'm going to do what I can. If I 
know what I have to do to win and I can get it. That's what I'm going to do. And I'll try my damnedest to get there. Sure. But if, if there's a Tank McCoy squatting 800 pounds, I'm not going to touch that. And it will um, be nationals. So, yeah. I mean, so it's uh, going to be. The likelihood of that is going to be much higher than it was. Than at a local meet. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, But I think it'll be a fun experience more than anything else. Like, that's really. It's kind of just a beach vacation, you know? Yeah, <laughs> it's down at the beach. We're going to go do the powerlifting meet. And then, and it's in our home state. So, yeah, I mean, it helps. It don't have to go too far. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that helps. Uh, and you and Desi both. Um, Mainly just as a coach that I don't really like. Um, if you would have told me you wanted to do it, I probably wouldn't have had as big of a problem with it. But I really don't like cutting to a weight class too much. I would yeah. rather novice, intermediate, maybe even lower level advanced lifters. I would rather them train at the weight they're going to compete at. Yeah. But you two had a unique experience in that you came in in the middle, yeah. dead ass middle of the weight class. Like it would have been as much trouble to cut as it would have been to gain yeah. into your weight class. Um you came in low 230s in the 242, and she came in uh, low 170s in the 181. Yeah. Um, I can imagine that if you go back to 242, it's kind of the same thing I said. You want a leaner, bigger, healthier, yep. but also more filled out. You want to be deeper in your weight class, 242. Yeah. Then uh, you know, there's, a, there's a huge benefit to being light and when it comes to dots and stuff like that. But really, to be as strong as possible, you want to be as close to your cap. Yeah. For strength's sake, you want to be as close to your cap as you possibly can, and uh, you know, I, you know, like we, we were basically doing, we're in different stages of it, but we're basically doing the same thing, and I, mm -hmm. uh, I think it's, I think it's the way to get better from where we're at now. Especially both of us are big dudes. You're tall, um, you're smaller weight class, but uh, the healthier we can be at that heavier weight, the better powerlifters we're going to be. And that is to say, we we did not water cut. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. there was there was no intention of water cutting, uh, simply because I was in training at the two forty. I was I was up to two forty several weeks out, so I didn't think there was going to be any need. I think it was going to be filled out enough for the two forty two, but weighed in on meet day at two thirty, and I what didn't know that I was going to come in at two thirty. Yeah. If, if I had known that, I may have planned a water cut sure. to go ahead and get that lower weight class. Sure. But there's also an argument to say, if I cut back, this would have been the first water cut I've ever done. How strong would I be coming off a water cut? Would it affect my strength so much that I failed all of my openers? You yeah. know? I'll be honest too, Desi going to 165, at, she's nearly six foot tall. Mm -hmm. As nearly six foot tall, it would have been insane for her to compete at 165. Yeah. I mean, it would, yeah. just would have been. She, you know, we're in the middle of it now too. She's actually doing the same thing you are. Yeah. She's in the middle of a cut with the hopes to actually bulk and fill out the 181 weight class yeah. with a leaner, meaner 181, mm -hmm. leaner, meaner, and heavier somehow 181. <laughs> but I mean, that's just the way you do it. That's the way it's got to happen. You got to cut, you got to bulk, you got to cut, you got to bulk. And that's hopefully every time you come back to that top number, you're a little fitter, a little healthier. Yeah than you were the last time you were at that top number. And hopefully that's what happens for all of us. She's going to be a scary 181. She's going to be fucking <laughs> She <laughs> has the frame for 198 is what she... Yeah, I mean... As Legitimately, she probably has the frame for 220, but that's probably starting to get uncomfortable. Yeah. <clears throat> I don't I don't think she wants to... She, she, her Nobody really wants to see that number on the scale. Yeah. Not that next 100 on the scale. Nobody yeah. really wants to see that. So. I mean, I wouldn't be mad about being if, 308. If, if I was, was going to be a 308 and I know I was going to be, you know. If I was going to be a I do have, I, And that's the problem with me, too, is I have the frame for this. If I could be 308 and be 14, 15, 16% body fat, probably be fucking okay with yeah. it. Yeah. 
if I went to 308 right now, I'm going to be like fucking 30%. Right. <laughs> so we don't want that. I don't want that. I don't want to die of a heart attack. That's yeah. not why I got into this. That is, is what it is. But we got some dad jokes. Are you going to dad says jokes too? Uh, no, I'm actually. I'm gonna... uh, officially, I just plugged them. Instagram, <laughs> dad says jokes on Instagram. I have a, a dad joke and a bad joke for us to end the day. <clears throat> oh, that, yep, that is where I'm going. I was like, I follow this this page. They always post dad jokes. Yep, okay. I'm going to scroll really far back just so that we don't get the same one. All right, hell, I'll, uh, I'll start this. <clears throat> My uncle named his dogs Rolex and Timex. They're watchdogs. <laughs> that's pretty bad that's pretty bad that's pretty bad one yep. alright uh, today my doctor told me that my DNA was backwards I said and, and. <laughs> 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 right, my brain just put it together real quick yeah. I apologize yeah. uh, I like this one today what do you call two birds stuck together velcros <laughs> <laughs> that's awful real fucking knee slap right there <laughs> oh. Oh, well. oh I have my bad joke now and we're gonna say this at the end so you can cut it okay. out if you feel like you need to okay I'm gonna get one. I wish there was a way to I don't know the Instagram page that I got this off of but uh, this is definitely a stolen joke so I'm saying that I'm prefacing, prefacing this joke with okay it is not mine <laughs> it was found on the deepest darkest depths of Instagram oh god <clears throat> and it is what it is do you know what a reverse exorcism is? It's when the demon has to tell the Catholic priest to get out of the little boy. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. I don't think that's the worst thing I've ever heard. It's probably but not. It's, it's... And that's the type of low life you're dealing with on this podcast. So welcome to our correct. first episode. Correct. Oh, so... <clears throat> I guess that's it for this episode. Uh, it was fun. I, had, yeah. I enjoyed it. Sip it and rip it. Sip and rip it. We just need a little more sip it next yeah, we time, need, we, need, we need to purchase more sip it for sure. I, yeah. I think so. I think so. We yeah. wasn't even drunk this time, and it got pretty vile. I, so. don't, I don't think <laughs> I have it in me to get drunk, especially on this prep, because that's that's just too many extra calories. I'm already hungry enough as it is. That's another thing, too. I am in a powerlifting prep. Don't. Don't drink alcohol in your preps, kids. It's not going to make you stronger. It's not going to make you stronger. That's a, it's a really dumb fucking thing to do. Um, there's your dare to keep off, uh, keep kids off drugs message today. Uh, uh, I was actually going to say drugs on the other <laughs> well, hand. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, maybe we shouldn't be plugging dare. <laughs> I, uh, probably not. Don't do drugs, kids. Don't, don't do drugs until you're a full adult who can make decisions on your own and have a fully developed brain. <laughs> yeah, that. What he said. Yeah. Alright. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>